It is great to see you in God's house today. We're going to continue the series we've been doing on doors. I want to talk to you about an interesting door today. I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to Acts chapter 12. Have you ever had that moment where somebody knocks on the door and you go and you open the door and the person standing there, it so freaks you out you don't know what to do? Acts chapter 12 records one of those moments. Rhoda, she's a servant girl. She's part of this community of Jesus people, of Christ followers. She's there with them in Jerusalem. And it's, it's, not, it's not the best of times to be a Christ follower. James, the brother of John, has been put to death by the sword. And Peter, who, who Peter is their go-to leader, right? Peter is their spokesperson. Peter is the one who... On the, on the day of Pentecost, when the church was really first birthed, Peter was the one who gets up and, and preaches a message and, and thousands of people are saved. Peter is the one who, walking along, there's a, a man begging and Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have we'll give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Peter is the, Peter is the one that helps give direction. And he's been arrested. It's not the first time he's been arrested, by the way. He was, a, he was arrested once uh, by, the, by the Sanhedrin, and they brought him in, and they, they talked to them about what he was doing and said, look, you've got to stop this. You've got to stop preaching this Jesus business. And then they let him go. And then, but he kept preaching Jesus. By the way, it, it, just on a little side note, for those who are skeptics of the faith, for those who are skeptics about the, the reality of who God is and what he does, all you have to do is look at the first century believers and how they responded to understand the reality of who Jesus is. Peter walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry. He was there in the upper room when Jesus talked about what was going to happen. He was at the foot of the cross as Jesus was crucified. In Peter's situation, he was watching from a distance. Peter was the first one to enter the empty tomb. He saw a resurrected Savior. He was among the group that heard Jesus talk about, I want you to finish the work. He was also one of those, after Jesus had told them to go and finish the work, that stood there and looked up into heaven when Jesus ascended. Where, where is he going? Came to understanding of what he was supposed to do on the day of Pentecost when the power of the Holy Spirit descended. And his life interacting with the Messiah, interacting with very God, very God, Jesus, his life was forever changed. And it didn't matter what they did. It didn't matter if they imprisoned him. They didn't matter if it, they threatened him. It didn't matter if they flogged him. It didn't matter. He was determined, even if it meant his death, that he would tell the reality of this man, Jesus. And so, 
In Acts chapter 12, it seems unlikely that there would come a knock on the door and Rhoda goes to the door and she looks and it is Peter and she freaks out. Okay. Peter knocks on the door. Rhoda opens the door, screams, and runs back to tell people that Peter's at the door. All the while, Peter's still standing at the door. Hello? Hey, can, uh, can somebody open the door? Let's unpack the story. Look at this in Acts chapter 12. It tells us this in, in Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It says that, that it was about this time that King Herod arrested those who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. Herod is a horrible puppet leader, right? Herod is under the oppressive thumb of Rome. And so he's a, he's a vassal king. He, he really doesn't have much authority on his own. And he, he does whatever he can to try to gain favor with the people, to try to gain popularity with the people. And so he, he has some of these Christians seized and he puts James' brother John to death by the sword and the people applaud and he goes, hey, that was all right, we should do that again. And so he has, he has Peter seized. Listen, if, if they like James being put to death with the sword, this guy Peter, he's your spokesman. He's kind of the face of the movement. This is really going to make me popular. Peter knows what he's facing. He understands what's happened to James. He also knows what Jesus spoke over him before he ascended into heaven, right? One of the last conversations, one of the last conversations that Jesus had with Peter, he tells Peter that he's going to face a martyr's death, right? And Peter actually says, Jesus, uh, what about him? Uh, why, why me? Why do I have to face a martyr's death? How, how about that guy? Referring to John. So Peter knows what's coming. And he's, he's accepted the reality that this is the destiny that God has for him. Knowing that ultimately that God has intended for him a far greater glory. And what he's going to receive in his eternal reward. But it doesn't change the fact that his fate is to be a martyr. That eventually he's going to be put to death for his belief in Jesus Christ and for his testifying of the Messiah. So we come to this place in Acts chapter 12 that he is now, he is now seized. And it is, it is the, the, the week of Passover. And so Herod has him seized. The plan is to put Peter to death right after Passover. We see that there. It, it tells us this in, in Acts 12, 3, uh, that when he saw that this uh, please the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread or, or during uh, the, the week of Passover. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That's pretty serious, isn't it? He's got 16 guards assigned to guarding one guy. He puts, uh, and, and here's what he does. Herod intends to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Here's what I want you to notice. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. 
I want to talk to you about how to step into promise this morning. I want to talk to you about how to experience the power of God in your life. I want to talk to you about how you can embrace all that God has for you. Because what Jesus declared in John chapter 10 is true when he said this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to its full. Life is not meant to be endured, friend. It's meant to be enjoyed. God didn't call you to survive. He also didn't call you to success. He called you to live a life of significance. He called you to live a life that is impactful. It is true that most men lead lives of quiet desperation, but that was never God's intent. That was never God's plan. I, I marvel at the fact that so many people live eventless lives. A life devoid of courage. A, a, a life absent, a sense of divine purpose. I'm amazed that so, so few Christ followers share their belief in Jesus Christ. In fact, what we do is we live our lives much like we find the early believers stuck in on occasion. Because here's what we find in Acts chapter 12. The reason why Peter had to knock on the door is because here's what a bunch of Christians are doing. They have cloistered themselves in a holy huddle. They have locked themselves in out of fear, out of anxiety. And they find themselves overreacting to every situation. We're, we're, at, a, we're at an inter interesting time in our, in our nation, aren't we? Five days after the election of a new president, we have... We have protests in a number of our major cities. We have, in some cities, riots breaking out. And then on the, on the other hand, we have, we have some folks that are convinced that the election of a new president is the equivalent to the second coming of the Messiah. So Christian community, let me help you. I'm going I'm to give you a little bit of thought here. People are going to go, he's jumping into politics. No, I have a point. Just go with me. We have elected a president who wrote in his book that he slept with another man's wife in order to get a tactical advantage in business. I just want to give you perspective, okay? We have not elected Billy Graham as our president. So those of you that are Trump supporters, that you're dancing in the streets, at best it should be a slow dance, I'm just saying. Okay? It is not the dawning of a new day. All is not right in America. There is still a massive unfinished task and the church should be 
on its face as it gathers together and then it should be out in the streets going out into the highways and byways and compelling them to come in because unless our nation experiences a profound move of God, it is hopelessly lost. And the church is behind its closed door And I'm convinced that Revelation 3.20 is true. When Jesus said to the church, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And I'm somewhat convinced, church, that, that this, that as Jesus stands at the door and knocks, that we go, when we look at the door and we go, oh my goodness, it's Jesus. And we do the same thing that Rhoda does. We don't bother to open the door. We just go, we freak out, and we tell people, by the way, Jesus is knocking on the door. Listen, when Jesus knocks on the door, let him in. And if you listen closely, you know what you'll hear? You will hear Jesus today knocking on the door of the church. He is knocking on the door of the church. He's knocking on the door of the church. So how do we, how do we posture ourselves? How do we position ourselves in a way to experience not Jesus from the other side of the door, but Jesus in the presence. Well, Peter, Peter really holds the key to that. And look at Peter's position. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. He's sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, with sentries standing guard over the entrance. Now, let me ask you a question. If you are facing certain execution in the morning, if you have been imprisoned in chains between two guards with sentries posted at the door, are you going to be catching some Z's? Are the, are the guards going to be bothered by your snoring? Now, let me, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you a little bit about Ed Garvin. If that's me, I'm wide-eyed and I'm in full panic mode. Because there, there are some things in my life to which I can display a little bit of courage. In full honesty, I'm a pretty big wimp. I'm serious. I, I want to be sedated to have my teeth cleaned at the dentist. Okay? The idea of being put to death by the sword, I'm out. Is anybody in? Right? But I'm out. 
And yet, what is Peter doing? Peter's asleep. Now, some could say, well, here's what Peter knew. God had delivered him before. And so God's going to deliver him again. But wait a minute. Jesus told him he's going to die a martyr's death, which ultimately he does. Right? Ultimately, Emperor Nero puts Peter to death in Rome. He's crucified upside down. So Peter knows at some point this is coming. He doesn't know if it's going to be tomorrow, but he knows that one tomorrow it's going to happen. Now, if I know that that's my fate, if I know that's my destiny, and I'm in a situation where it seems like it is imminent, I can't say that I'm going to be sleeping. But I love the fact that here's what Peter does. He lets God's protection bring him peace. And so here's the question that we have to answer. Here's here's the the issue that we have to reconcile. The 7,000 promises that are in this book, are they true? Okay, if they're true, here's what it says. It says our God is a healer. It says our God is a rewarder. It says our God is a provider. It says our God is a protector. It says our God is a guider. He guides us. And it tells us all these things, all these promises that God has given to us. And the word declares that he is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness to be. And so if I believe in this book, if I believe what this book says, if I believe in the promises in this book, it makes it a whole lot easier to have that disposition that Job had when Job said this, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. See, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that far too many of us who profess to be Jesus people, who profess to be Christ followers, who go under the nomenclature of Christian, that we live our life just on the edge of full panic. I'm convinced that this is why people so quickly go to, go to anger. It, it seems like we live in a world, it seems like we're a part of a culture where people are just, they're just, a, they're just a moment away, they're just a conversation away, they're just a word away from being very angry. And, and I think our group, I think Christians, I think we're the worst. We're, we're just way too tightly wound. Jody and I were, uh, were blessed to have um, some, some friends that were, uh, that were visiting from out of town. And, uh, and I think that they were in the service this morning. I think they slipped out because I think they needed to leave about 11.15 go to the airport. But, um, but I, was, I, was talking to, um, I was talking to the mom last night. And she, she actually she was a member of our team in Illinois for, for a while. And uh, they, uh, 
They ended up relocating to Bentonville, Arkansas because of a, a, a change with her husband's job. Her husband had been working for State Farm and he was hired away by uh, Walmart. And so they went, to, he went to work, they went to work for Walmart. He's one of the VPs at Walmart. And I asked her last night, I said, I said so do you, do you have to shop all the time at Walmart? She goes, we sneak away to Target every once in a while. But I was talking to her about, about the issue of balance, right? And she asked me a question, and I told her this. I said, I, said, I, want, I want to share a scripture with you. And I want to share a scripture with you, and I want, to, I, want you, I want you to try to look at it from a different angle, okay? So an often quoted scripture, especially when the church wants to get you to do something, okay? You ever notice that? We, we have these scriptures that we'll throw out when we want you to do something. God loves a cheerful giver. We're going to tell you that when we want you to give. It's true that God does, that God does love a cheerful giver, but we'll, 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 we'll use these We'll use these, these scriptures to try to encourage you, to try to motivate you. Well, one of the things that, if we, if we want you to do something, okay, we'll often quote the scripture, Galatians 6, 9, which says this, Do not become weary in well-doing. Do not become weary in doing good. For the proper time, you reap a harvest if you don't give up. So here's what you need to do, big soldier. Here's what you need to do. You need to press on. You need to keep working. You need to keep pushing. You need to keep doing. Because here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to stop just short of your victory. So what you got to do is you got to press on. You got to press through. You got to keep working. You got to keep pressing hard, right? Let me, let me challenge you to look at that from a different angle. Because the simple truth is this. We're way too tightly wound. Some of you here today, here's what you need to do. Mr. Angry Christian, just breathe a little bit. Everything's going to be all right. Let me... Can I, can, I, can I set you free? Had the election happened differently on Tuesday? And if, if we were facing President-elect Hillary Clinton, the sky would not have fallen. For those of you that you were, that you were crying, maybe you were one of those people that they showed on some of the news channels Tuesday night where you're a Hillary Clinton supporter and you were laying in a fetal position freaking out because it didn't go the way that 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 was expected uh, listen everything's gonna be all right because for those of you that are democrats i understand that we're gonna have a republican in the white house everything's gonna be all right for those of you that are republicans and you're convinced that this is the answer eh, not so much but everything's gonna be all right because the seat of power that you should be most concerned about has not been vacated. So we can breathe. Let me go back to Galatians 6.9. Let us not become weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, you will reap the harvest. See, that's looking at that scripture from a very different angle. Instead of saying, i got to keep working hard, I can also see in Galatians 6.9 that it says this, that I don't have to try to work 24-7. I'm not supposed to become weary in well-doing. Fatigue makes cowards out of people. This is the reason why when God designed us, God designed us with a process for rest. 
The idea of the Sabbath, right? One of the commandments, one of the, one of the Ten Commandments says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The Sabbath was not created in the law. The Sabbath was created in the creation process. Sabbath was pre-law. Jesus honored the Sabbath. Just breathe. And Peter is in this situation, and here's what he knows. He knows that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He understands that. He understands that God has a plan for him, and it's a plan to prosper him and not to harm him. It's a plan to give him a future and a hope. Peter understands that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And Peter understands that if the Son of God did not come to be served, but, but instead came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, it's not too much. And so Peter expecting to face execution in the morning. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways. Say that with me. In all your ways. I want you to say it a little bit different. Try this. In all my ways. Ready? In all my ways. Say it again. In all my ways. See, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Don't lean on our own understandings, but in all my ways, in all, in all our ways, acknowledge him. Let, 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 let him be in control. And here's what he will do. He will make your path straight. And, and that's where Peter finds himself. And so, so it's, it's all good. Now notice this as we continue to go on in Acts chapter 12. It says this. So, so just to give, bring up to date where we're at, Herod had James, the son of, uh, James, brother of John, put to death by the sword, said, hey, the people like that. He has Peter seized during the, during the, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. After Passover, he's going to have a mock trial and put him to death. Peter is in prison. The people of God are praying for him. The night before Herod was to put him to trial, he's sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, uh, and sentries stood guard in the entrance. Suddenly, you ever notice whenever angels appear, they always appear suddenly? You know, angels never just saunter in. Hey, angel, I'm here just to kind of walk you through this. It's always boom, right? Suddenly an angel appears. And, and the angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Now that gives you an idea how soundly Peter's sleeping. Right? Because it says this, that an angel appears and the light shone in the cell. Boom, bright light. Peter is still. This is where it would be great to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> to know the thought of the angel. Right? Boom, bright light, Peter's still sleeping. The angel's like, really? <laughs> Boom, get up, hey, get up. 
right? That's what it tells us. It tells us here, here in, in, in Acts chapter 12. Uh, it, it says in, in, in the seventh verse, it says that he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Hey, quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the, the angel told him. And Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea what the angel what the, what, what the angel was doing was really happening. Okay? This, by the way, I believe is a profound principle. In fact, if you get nothing else out of this morning, grasp this. Peter is not convinced that this is reality. He doesn't fully understand what the angel is doing. You know what amazes me? It amazes me the things in life that we will, that we will follow almost blindly. Right? Go down the road. If somebody puts a sign out in the road that says detour, go here, you're like, okay. Right? I'm not questioning. I, I, I know at the end of this road is a lake, but it sure seems like they're sending me down this road, so I'm going to go. There's a, there's a scene, this gives you an idea where my, where my mind goes sometimes. Um, there's a scene in the, in the television sit, sitcom, The Office, um, which some of you might think is stupid. My father would say that's one of the dumbest shows on television. And uh, it, it, it's an acquired taste, but, um, but it, is, it is really funny. And, um, and there's one scene where, um, where the boss, they're driving along and he's listening to his GPS and his GPS says, turn now, right? And it's really referring to the road that's coming up, but he's, it turns now and there's a pond right there and he <laughs> turns right into the pond. Uh, it says, turn, I'm turning, Right? It's amazing the things that we'll follow blindly, but when it comes to following God, we go this. Okay, God, you have to explain everything to me in great detail before I'm going to take the first step. Now, how many of you know that that's not the way that God works? Now, there's a reason that God doesn't work that way. Number one is this. Oftentimes, you don't have the capacity to understand. And I tell you, one of the things that I do appreciate about the, the GPS unit in my car, I'm glad that if I'm driving from here to South Carolina, that my GPS doesn't rattle off all the instructions when I, when I, when I turn on the ignition and start the car. Right? I have to go, whoa, 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 slow down, little GPS lady. Just give me one instruction at a time. Just tell me when I get close to the next turn when I need to turn. Right? That's, that's, that's all I need. And don't give me this business of, okay, I want you to go in here, down here and I want you to turn where the Pucks Dairy used to be. I, I don't know where the Pucks Dairy used to be. I didn't even know there was a Pucks Dairy. Just tell me what I need to know. And here's what you'll find, is that's the way that God, by the Holy Spirit, works in your life. And yet for some reason, well, we know what it is. It's because it's an issue of spiritual warfare. We want God to lay out all of the steps ahead of time. But here's what I want to challenge you, what I want to challenge you to do. To, to trust God's voice even when you don't know his plan. Trust God's voice even when you don't know his plan.
we, uh, we had a little over 2,000 students here uh, Friday night and Saturday for the Florida uh, Assemblies of God Youth Convention. And yesterday morning, um, a, a dear friend of mine spoke. In fact, I asked him to, to come back and, and, and speak here next May. Uh, Joe Gordon. Joe Gordon is one of my heroes, and he is um, just a, an amazing missionary force. And that's just what, what, what God is accomplishing through his ministry. Is, it really is remarkable. But Joe was telling the story to teenagers um, about uh, his, his being on the mission field. He's been 28 years in India. And he said this, that he often, often gets asked the question, how do you know that God called you to India? And here's what he says. He goes, I don't know that God called me to India. Here's what I know. I know there are a billion people in India, in India that don't know Jesus. And so I volunteered. I've never before heard somebody say that. Right? Here's our deal. God, I'll go if you call me. God, I'll go if there's a burning bush that's not consumed. God, I'll go if you cause one side of a fleece to be wet and the other side to be dry. God, I'll go if you do something so amazingly supernaturally that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is what you want me to do instead of recognizing that the need is the call. Right? I mean, think about it. One billion people, 300,000 unreached people groups in India. Why would we not go, God, pick me, pick me, God, let me go, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. One billion people, that's three times, three and a half times, no, no, it's right at three times, so I'm sorry, three times the U.S. population. The U.S. population is about 368 million people. Why wouldn't you go? But, but when it comes to stepping into missions, when it comes to just sharing Christ in the workplace, okay, God, if you give me some like massive sign that I'm supposed to do that, then I'll do it. How about this? How about the love of God compels us. Right? So we trust God's voice even when we don't know the entire plan. Peter's not convinced that this isn't a dream. But dream or reality, it doesn't matter. If the, if the angel of the Lord is talking to him and telling him to do something, he's going to do it. Get up. I'm getting up. Put on your clothes. Put on your cloak. Follow me. Okay, I'm with you. Let's go. This is kind of weird, but I, I'm, right? I, I'm not sure if this is a dream or reality, but I'm going to take the chance. There have, been, there have been moments in my life where God has made it very clear what he wants me to do. There are, there are many moments in my life where I, I don't know for certain. So, here's what we do. We, we take the steps that we believe that God has, has, us, to stay, has us to take. And here, here's, what, here's what I love about God. Are you ready? 
God is not this big bloodshot eyeball in the sky, lightning bolt in hand, waiting to zap you if you take one misstep. Perfection is reserved for God alone. So God knows that you're going to take imperfect steps. When I, when I put my child on that bicycle for the first time without the training wheels, you know what I knew? I knew that they were going to go a, a distance and then, right? Don't call me a sadist. You did it too. And we did it, right? And hopefully you didn't scold them and call them a loser and, you know, mock them, right? Berate them mercilessly. No, you went, oh, way to go. Man, look how far you got. Last time you only got this far. Now look how far you got, right? And we got them to the point where they, they could go. Well, when, when we're walking with God, when we're doing this thing with God, God knows we're not going to step perfectly. He knows that we're going to take missteps. He knows we're, we're going to make mistakes. And the cool thing is this, because God knows the end from the beginning. He already knows that. And he's already got a plan to bless you and to use that for your good, right? Because all things do work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. That's what the word of God tells us. So, so we, can, we can breathe a little bit. I got, a, I got a message on Facebook from Amy this week asking me about a ministry. She said, hey, I, I, I have some interest in this, in this ministry. I got kind of a heart for it. I have a tug for it. Here's my response. I can't say with absolute certainty, God did not speak to me and say, Ooh, Amy is to walk in this path. I don't have that for you. And to be honest, most of the time, that's not how God works with me. I know that some preachers, that, that they, they live in that world every day. Okay? That God supernaturally appears and tells them whether or not they should eat Wheaties or Cheerios. I don't get that. I have to choose on my own. But here's what I knew. God's put something in your heart. And here's what you do. You walk that out. And then you trust God to guide you as you're walking it out. And what God will do is, is God will, he'll reveal the plan as is necessary. It's just being obedient to that voice. It's just being obedient to that tug. It's just being obedient to what's in your heart. So we, we trust God's voice even when we don't fully understand the plan. And here's what you can be confident of, okay? So let, let the protection of God, let that bring peace in your life. Trust God's voice even when you don't know the entire plan because you can count on God and his timing to bring clarity. Because here's what we see, all right? So Peter had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. Kind of spooky. Just saying. You're walking up to a gate. Right? And so Peter's like, okay, cool vision. Right? And, uh, and so they went through it. They, and when they walked the length of one street, Suddenly, the angel is gone. Again, angel suddenly, man. They're just boom, boom, man. They just, right? 
The angel doesn't go, okay, hey, this is, this is as far as I'm going. This is the end of the ride for you. Just, hey, it's going to go well for you. Godspeed. He doesn't do that, right? Angel, boom, suddenly appears, bright light in the, in the prison cell. Get up, takes him, walks him down the street. Boom, angel's gone. Really, God? Can you give us a little bit of a warning? Enough with the drama already. <laughs> boom, angel, angel is gone. And Peter goes, Wow, this is, this is for real. I'm like, I'm out in the middle of Jerusalem. Hey, this is all right. And, and here's, here's what I love. It says, it says this. Then Peter came to himself. Peter has this realization. And he says this. Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. It's probably my favorite part of the whole story. He says that I understand that God had delivered me from Herod's clutches and from everything. The Jewish people. Now, who are the Jewish people in this, in, in, in this historical narrative? The Jewish people are not the Christians. The Jewish people are those who are hoping for, who are believing for, who are anticipating, who are excited about Peter's execution. And this is not about attacking a culture, it's not about attacking a race, but it's about the, the, the demographic in this moment when Peter makes that statement, it's those who are positioned as his adversary. Right? And so he recognizes that those who are standing as, ad, as, as adversaries against him, everything they're anticipating, everything that they're planning, that God has given him victory over all of that. And it says this, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter was in prison. Peter was in chains. Peter knew that he had a death sentence on him. And upon being released, you know what he did? I'll tell you what he didn't do. He did not run for his life. He didn't in full panic go, I got to get out of here. These people are trying to kill me. Fortunately, God has set me free, but I got to go. No. Here's what he does. He goes to the very place that if Herod wants to capture him, it's the very place that Herod's going to look. This is not a secret hiding place. Peter continues to walk out in the open. And not only that, listen, friends, after he goes there, okay, if you read, Peter continues to engage in ministry. He keeps on keeping on. And even in the midst of, of difficulty, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of struggle, 
we confidently walk out God's purpose. I learned something as a little kid. You might want to write this down. It's profound. You ready? Quitters never win. Actually, so this, this, this translates into like my adult life as well. I, I enjoy playing golf. And, uh, and I, I find myself regularly on the, on, the, on the putting green with a putter in hand. And here's what I know. As I, as I look, as I'm, as I'm standing over that golf ball and I want to put it in this hole. That if it doesn't get all the way to the hole, it has zero chance of getting in. Isn't that profound? Right? Any putt you hit short has zero chance of going in the hole. And yet, here's what we do as Christians. We go, uh, 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 I don't want to go too far. Bink. Oh, it's short. Hold on. Bink. Oh, short. Uh, I, seriously, I don't want to go too far. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to. I don't want to get beyond what God has for me. I don't want to get. I don't want to do more than what God wants me to do. I certainly don't want to do more than what God wants me to do. So, bing, oh, that's short. Let's be patient. God's patient with me. You be patient with me, right? There's. It it's, makes all the difference in the world when we walk with confidence. And by the way, when the, when, the door doesn't, when the door doesn't quickly open, then um, do, what, do what Peter did in the story, keep on knocking. Okay, I have, to, I, have to, I have to confess something to you. Something I've done for years. I was getting ready to take my Bible and set it down over here. I had somebody email me not too long ago because they were really offended because I, they felt like I haphazardly was, was mistreating the Word of God because I tossed it on the steps. So I'm going to set my Bible over here. But let me, can I help? I just want to help you with something. Okay, this is, this is bonded leather uh, and some paper. Okay, um, just for what it's worth. But I'm just where you're not offended today. Doesn't mean I won't forget next week, but just where you're not offended today. Right? Let's breathe a little bit. <laughs> oh. I got I, I want to close with this with this story. I um and now I wish I would have worn this watch. But um but let me tell you something about me. I'm I'm not a guy who um I'm not a guy who desires a lot of things. I consider myself to be very blessed. I'm, I'm grateful. Um, uh, I grew up very poor, and, um, and so I know what it is to be in lack, and I know what it is to have abundance. Um, but I, I, don't, I, just, I, don't, I don't chase after those things. You'll, you'll never have to worry about coming to Calvary and me asking you to give money to where I can get a new jet. That's not a, take that for what it's worth. That's, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm just saying that I don't live in that world. And... Um, um, our, our church, we're on, we're on television not because I want to be famous or because I want some international ministry. Um, we're on television because, truthfully, because Good Life asked us if we would please do it and, and, and really 
um, challenged us with the mission that they have, and, and we want to be a part of reaching Central Florida for Christ. And so um, there are a couple of things that I have an appreciation for, though. And, uh, and I, I'm a car guy. Um, I drive a Kia, but that being said, if somebody were to walk up today and hand me the keys to an A7, I would drive it. And if you made fun of me because I was a pastor driving an A7, I would say, that's fine. See ya. Uh, as I drive away. Um, but one of the things that I've, I've come to appreciate is, is watches. And so I, I, I don't have a lot of watches, but I have a, a few watches that are, that are nice watches. And uh, in August, uh, I was um, in Eastern Europe. I, I was actually in Bulgaria. And I was staying in a hotel. It wasn't a, a four-star hotel, but it wasn't a, um, a, you know, an hourly rate motel. It was an average motel. It would be like the equivalent of staying at a Hampton Inn here in the U.S. It was an Ibis hotel for those of you that have traveled internationally. And, and so I was staying at this Ibis hotel in Sofia, Bulgaria. And I was out of my room for no more than 10 minutes. And I, uh, I walk back into my hotel room, and my watch was gone. Nothing else was gone. It was interesting because my computer was in there. My clothes were in there. They didn't want my clothes. They didn't want my computer. They took my watch. And uh, this watch was a watch. Full, full story, this watch was a watch that I bought on eBay broken and had fixed. Um, so I had about $200 into this watch. I had about $260 into this watch that was a, a, a $1,200 watch. Nice tag watch. And, uh, and so it's gone. And I'm angry. Right? So I'm sitting in my hotel room and I said this. Seriously, I come all the way over here to help you people. Don't judge me. I'm just telling you what I did. And you people steal my watch? And as I sat there angry, a little bit bitter, I felt that God said this to me. Ed, you gave up a watch. I gave my son. Three days later, I'm speaking in Northern Ireland. And, uh, and I tell this story to end my sermon. Just talking about the perspective of what God, what God asks us to do in this thing called the Great Commission compared to what He does, Right? So I tell the story and tell them that, you know, we think we're sacrificing a lot. We think the time that we give to kingdom work seems to be a lot. We, we think that the, 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 the funds that we give to make ministry happen, we, we have this misconception that it's some great sacrifice when truthfully it's not. It's an investment that God gives us an opportunity to, 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 to do. And really, the tithe belongs to him. We're just returning to him what belongs to him. And in the grand scheme of things, what God's asking us to do is not that big. 
to let your light shine a little bit. Let your, let your neighbor know that, that, that Jesus is the reason that you have hope. So I, I finish that message and I'm, I'm, I'm scheduled at an evening event there and I'm flying back to the U.S. the next day. And so um, there's, a, there's a knock on my hotel room door, which I will tell you when you're traveling, that's an uncomfortable thing. Why is there somebody knocking on my hotel room door? Right? So I said, uh, hello? I'm expecting your housekeeping maintenance, I hear. Uh, yeah, um, pastor? Let me tell you, oftentimes when somebody wants to talk to you on a Sunday afternoon, it's because they've got some great earth-shattering thing that they want to share. And on Sunday afternoons, I'm tired. I give my all on Sundays. I really do. Okay? And I'm, I'm wore out. It's the reason why when people ask us to go out to lunch on Sundays, we don't do it very often because I'm not fun to be around. Especially after 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock on Sunday is my nap time. And if you're with me after 2 o'clock, I'm mean. <laughs> if we're out at a restaurant and the, and, the, and the food server takes long to get the check to us, I, I, I try hard to not let it affect their tip. <laughs> and this is about, it's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Knock on the door. Yes, pastor, stink. Put the little chain on the door. Yes. Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure. Hold on. Um, why don't we do this? Um, I don't, I make it a point to not have people in my hotel room, so why don't I meet you in the lobby? By the way, I'm a little irked that this guy knows what my room number is. Just where you know. And so, he goes, no, no, no. He goes, he goes, I just, we can do it right here. I just need to talk to you for a minute. I said, okay. So I closed the door, put the little chain. And he said, uh, he said, hey, God, um, God really moved on me um, about you, the story of the watch. I said, oh, that's great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. He goes, no, 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 wait. Because I'm not done. He goes, I, I want to give this to you. And uh, he goes, I, I need you to receive it. Don't question, I need you to receive it. But God told me that I'm supposed to give this to you. Um, because I really feel like um, that God's a restorer and he wants you to have your watch replaced. He said, but here's what you got to make me this promise. He goes, I'm going to give this to you you have to promise me that you will use this for a watch. I said, all right. Um, and so, um, so he hands me an envelope. Uh, and in that envelope was enough money to buy a watch that was worth, y'all can do the math, because I already told you what, that, what my watch was worth, um, was the money to buy a watch that was worth twice the watch that was stolen. 
So oftentimes you'll see me, sometimes on Sunday, but oftentimes during the week, I wear a very nice tag watch that is the result of some guy in Bulgaria stealing my watch and God giving me a huge lesson. And every time I look at that watch, I'm reminded that I can trust in God's protection to bring me peace. That I need to listen to God's voice even when I don't fully understand the plan. Because what God's going to do is God's going to bring clarity. And and in that, I I can walk confidently in what He has for me. And in those moments when the door doesn't immediately open, that I can keep on knocking. Because God hasn't forgotten where you live. He hasn't abandoned you. He has a plan for you. And some of you are in a place where you feel like you are in chains between two guards. And you walked in here and, and life Life has you in a place where it seems like it's a season of desperation. You're grabbing at anything that you can. You're you're kind of freaking out. Someone's here today, even your being in church today was an act of desperation. You said, all right, nothing else is working. I'm going to try this. And God's brought you here to tell you that even when you find yourself in confinement, even when you find yourself in chains, even when it seems like there is nothing but doom and gloom. Just rest. Just rest. Know that He's got you. And don't be surprised when suddenly the chains fall. And when the angel of the Lord says, walk this way, stop the angel and go, I'm not following you until you explain to me every step of the way. Just follow. Because he will deliver you.